2. The title of the message this morning is Healthy Christian Living. And Acts chapter 2 sets the stage for the foundation of our faith. And in chapter 2, the, the Lord gives us special, crucial instructions for healthy Christian living. Basically, God is giving us a recipe for to be healthy Christians. And in, I'm going to give an overview of the chapter, and then we're going to look at chapter 2 and verse 42. But verse 1 says that it was a special day. And it was a very special day because it was the day that the church looks back and sees the beginning of the work of God that's so unique and special, unlike anything that has ever happened since the beginning. You see, the Lord Jesus had prepared his disciples for three and a half years for this event. And he's still preparing our hearts for a work of the spirit inwardly. You see, Jesus said, and, and remember in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you Another helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that he, the Holy Spirit, may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. You see, the word, the, the Holy Spirit needs to be received because it neither sees him or knows him. And then Jesus says, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then Jesus said, I do not leave you orphans. I will come to you because Jesus was saying he was going to go away. He was going to die. He was going to resurrect and he was going to ascend. And he says, I will not leave you orphans. Then Jesus goes into more details in John chapter 15 and John chapter 16. And then again, right before Jesus ascends in Acts chapter one, Jesus gives last details to what is going to happen at this event. He goes on to say, but go and wait in Jerusalem. And they did just that. Those believers were uh, simply obedient to God's simple instructions. And verse 2 tells us in chapter 2 and also in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. uh, Here in the Bible, it tells us that this faithful group of men and women responded to Jesus. They listened to the Lord's simple instructions And these men and women came together in obedience. And that's very important that we come together in obedience to God's word. They came with humble hearts. They came with united hearts and they gathered for one purpose to pray, to pray to the Lord. They were obedient and they came to pray. And the Bible here in chapter chapter two and verse two tells us that at this time, Peter was the leader and among the disciples there in the presence of this prayer meeting were 120 people, men and women. But God did something amazing here this day, unlike, again, any other day. In verse four, it says that this 100, 120 believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, they experienced the inward work of God. You see, this internal work is so special. It's like never happened before. 
where Jesus fulfilled the promise here that the Holy Spirit would come. And verse 6 tells us that the people who witnessed what was happening in the lives of, of this 120 people were confounded. They were amazed at the change in, this, in what was happening. Verse 7 says that they were amazed and they marveled at what they were witnessing. You see, at this time, these 120 people were from Galilee. And all the people who came around uh, heard them speaking in a different language. So this was a supernatural event. And verse 9 through 12 gives us a vast uh, witness list of all who were in attendance that day. It says it gives the names of the countries that they came from. And at this time, it's estimated that there were about 3 million people here in Jerusalem at this event. The historian Josephus estimated that at the time uh, of Christ, at this event, uh, there were at, at that time 2,700,000 people living within the walls of Jerusalem. So the number with all the visitors from all the different areas adds up. When God does a work of the Spirit in a man, some will come and some will mock. As we, saw, we see here in verse 13, they said they were full of new wine. But when we see something supernatural, and with every supernatural experience or a unnatural phenomena, a spiritual phenomena, we see here in the text, Peter wisely uses a scripture to give validity to this event. And Jesus even warns us in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 to be careful in the last days that supernatural things are going to happen. But don't let them be deceive, Don't let them deceive you. But here Peter is quoting Joel chapter uh, 2 verses 28 through 32. And it's a twofold prophecy and here in verses 14 through 20 so peter first points to the scriptures this is what's happening this is this event is happening because god already promised it and these people were just obedient but peter points to scripture in verse 21 and he boldly says and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the lord shall be saved. You see, this, this supernatural phenomenon was happening. People were amazed. They were astonished. They were confounded. They were blown away. But Peter brings it all back to this one point in verse 21. He says, And it shall come to pass whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Why? You know, why wasn't there an emphasis on what was happening uh, of the uh, supernatural phenomena? Because supernatural phenomena might happen, but the most important thing is the salvation of men and women. And Jesus taught Peter well that man's greatest need is salvation. Why? Because 150,000 people die every 24 hours. That's 54 million a year. You see, that's the equivalent of the population of Azusa, Covina, and Glendora put together in one day, perishing. 
You see, people go into eternity and most people make plans. So verse 22 through 36, Peter proclaims a gospel message to these people, these these three million people. And here God starts doing a work and the 120 doing an amazing work in them and through them. And then the people hear and they're mocking or they're confused. But then Peter gives the gospel message. And we see this here in verses 22 through 36. Peter proclaims the gospel message. And the gospel message is simply this. That we are all sinners. And sin simply means we miss the mark. Miss the mark of what? Moral perfection. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We all have to face God on the day of judgment. And that's bad news because we are sinners and we are undeserving. We cannot work to heaven. We cannot pay to get to heaven. My good works alone are an insult to God. My doing is due. And that's just all that is. But the Bible says that God himself put on skin like a hand puts on a glove. You see, the price for your salvation and my salvation was so high that God himself put on skin like a hand puts on a glove, lived a perfect life in your place, died and was tortured on your behalf and my behalf because of our sins. And because of what he's done, his perfect life is put to my account. My sin was put upon him. And in him, in having a relationship with him, I could have new life, an everlasting life. You see, the Bible gives us this message that we are sinners and we need a Savior. In verse 37, here it gives us their reaction to the gospel message. Their their reaction is, turning from sin and putting their faith in the finished work of the cross. In verse 41, we see the, the reaction again. It says, and they, were, and they gladly received the words that Peter spoke. And they were baptized. And, then, and, and the same day were added about 3,000 souls. So 3,000,000 get saved. But God was using 120 because they were obedient. Because of the work of the Spirit in each one of them. And you see, we're saved by grace through faith that not of ourselves is the gift of God. It's an inward work. Least any man should boast. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, it's a work of God. It's an inward work. Salvation is an inward work. Which brings us to a very important text because the work of God began in your life as a believer by your response to the gospel. But you see, God still wants to do an inward and and a lifelong internal work in you. And and comes to our verse here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. You see, God still wants to do an inward work. An inward work of God should 
be manifested in my life and in your life if you're a Christian. It should be seen by our manner of life. But you see, it's only based upon your eternal in internal condition. You see, I have to be healthy internally. I need the work of God to be done in my heart. A lot of times we don't really put much thought to the time or attention that we spend on our outward, on our outward, our outward us. Because there's an inner us. You know, there's an inner me. You can't see my thoughts, my emotions, my feelings. That's that inner me. But there's an outer me as well. And and we really don't give a lot of thought to how much time and the resources that we spend on the outward us. We really don't, or at least I don't. But according to Money Magazine, the average woman will spend about $15,000 in her lifetime on beauty products. $3,000 alone is dedicated to mascara. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) Not to mention hair products uh, a month and an occasional mani-pedi. You know, uh, the average person, it says, spends about $161 a month on clothing. Uh, The cosmetics industry makes about $805 billion dollars a year that's that's a lot of money that we spend on cosmetics the fitness industry is a 87.5 billion dollar industry you know um you know fitness getting you know work again working on the outward uh the sports industry rakes in 539.7 billion dollars a year so, you know, we're spending, we're, we're, we're putting a lot of resources on the outward. Uh, the, it says the average American will spend 77 days in front of the TV set. And, I, you know, I didn't even look up the stats for social media, you know, which would be pretty amazing. The average American will spend about uh, $1,200 a year on fast food. We spend that much a year on fast food. And, you know, it's crazy. You know, right now I went out on Friday night and I, I went to go get some tacos. And I just saw the lines at Popeye's. I guess they have these chicken wars right now. You guys hear about the chicken wars? You know, uh, Popeye's, my, my brother-in-law went to Popeye's twice last week and they ran out of chicken. And then I guess uh, Chick-fil-A says we'd never run out of chicken. So it's like a <laughs> like a battle. But you know what? I prefer in and out So I'm going next door. But you see, these stats are, are not a put down, and I'm not saying to change your routine in any way. But I, I'm just highlighting a contrast between the time and resources we spend on our physical bodies in comparison to our spiritual d- dimension. How much time and attention am I investing on the inner me? You see, there's a significant difference between the physical us and the spiritual us. You know, I, I really had to take a, an, an honest look this uh, week, and I really had to cut some stuff out of my life. But here in Acts chapter 2, in verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly. Who's the they? Is it the 120, 2,000 years ago? Is it the 
3,000 that comes to, say, to, to faith. But you know what? This is an ongoing thing. It's us. It's speaking of the church. You guys are the church. And it's expected that we should continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You see, Scripture should describe us, uh, you know, Scripture to us should describe us or help us, uh, not only corporately, but personally. It says here they continued steadfastly. And that word steadfastly means that they were devoted to doing these things on a continual and ongoing uh, manner. So I want to stress the importance of this verse for our spiritual health, the inner health of the believer, every believer, you and me. I need the word of God every day in, in my life. It, it, it's very important. These principles here found in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 are very important. I, I know firsthand. Um, I remember the summer of 19, uh, 1979. The summer of 1979, I, I, I remember I, I could still see it very clear. I was 12 years old. I, I, remember, I grew up in the church. I, I went to church at seven years old, and, and I was part of the children's ministry. I grew up in the church. But in 1979, on a, a, a warm summer evening, um, I realized that I needed a Savior. I heard the gospel message like these 3,000, and I responded to that message. I realized I needed a Savior, and that I was a sinner, and I needed God to save me. You know, I remember that, that altar call. I remember being up at the front, and, and I remember feeling an overwhelming sense of, of peace because I, 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 I surrendered my heart to the Lord. You know, I remembered experiencing a joy that my sins were forgiven. I remember feeling a confidence that if Christ were to come at that very moment, I would go with him. There would be no doubt. I was forgiven. I was I was reconciled with God. But I, too, that night had the same question like these believers here, these 3000 people that I mentioned here in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. They said, what shall we do? We believe the gospel message, but what shall we do? And then Peter instructs them what they should, should do. You know, I, I remember after that altar call, my, my family was very excited. They took me out to pizza, and, and you know, they were excited for me. But I really look back and I look at these four principles found here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 and my lack of doing them was my downfall. Was my downfall. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse uh, 1 it says, let us take heed to the things that we hear lest we drift away. You know, I, 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 was, a bi I, was, I had this relationship with Christ but I drifted away. My neglect of my inward spiritual man led me to 14 years in a backslidden state. You see, I put an emphasis on pursuing the outward. I was pursuing those things that were satisfying to me. You know, I got into the party life and drugs and alcohol and you name it. Um, and I'm, I'm just... 
embarrassed to even share what I've done because I have strayed so far away from God. But I really attribute it to you that night of, of those not following biblical instruction and not being te- uh, taught the Word of God. I saw my life drifting away for 14 years, and I came to a place where people are trying to kill me. I was doing so much drugs that by, if I would have continued, by the next week I would have been dead. My heart was beating out of my chest. But I thank God that God gave me another chance. It was the summer of, of August chapter, uh, ni- uh, 1993. August ni- 1993, I, re- I remember Raw. you know, we were outside at Golden Springs. Raw shares the gospel message. And, and I, I don't really even remember the message, but I realized I needed to get right with God. I knew inwardly I wasn't right, and I needed to get right. And I responded to the gospel message. And I remember meeting a guy um, after Raul led me in the sinner's prayer and he points to the door and he goes, hey, I need guys go over there and he'll give you a Bible and he'll give you some instructions. And, you know, I, I met a guy named Lloyd there at the door. I still remember him. I, I, I still remember his face. I, he was wearing a Dodger jacket. And you know, he shared with me, Tony, I want to encourage you to be in the word, be in prayer, be in fellowship and a byproduct of your life. God is going to do a work in your life. And you know what? I took that to heart. That's Acts chapter two, verse 42. Those instructions are there. And I took it to heart. And, you know, I, I'm so blessed. You know, is every day a struggle? Absolutely. You know, it, it's not easy. But. These things applied are very beneficial to you, but it starts inwardly. You see, I'm so blessed to be married to that same woman who I gave hell for three, three and a half years of our, our marriage. We were going to get we we're on the verge of divorce. She, want, she wanted no nothing to do with me. But I got right with God and, and God restored my marriage. I've been I've been married almost uh, 30 years now. So that night, 26 years ago, I had that life changing experience But you see, it gets better every day. But I want to stress to you the priority of not just focusing on the outward, but on the inward. That's that's where the change takes place. And I like to not only tell you, but I want to show you. I like to briefly show you the inward benefits of this first principle of reading the word. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. And that simply means they were under Bible study, good, solid teaching, reading God's word and applying it. And that's simply all we we need to really do is to be in the word. There's a there has to be a priority of God's word in my life. At least I drift away. You see, there are personal benefits Would you please turn with me in your Bible to Psalms chapter 19? Because there are benefits for me as I read the Word of God. God wants to do so much in my life 
But I need to be in the word of God for him to do it because that's the vehicle God uses to transform my life. In Psalms chapter 19, verses 7 through 11, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. You see, God's word restores, it refreshes, it repairs the soul to get it right with God so that I could have a right relationship with God. So that is an eternal, internal work, an eternal work by an eternal God, but an internal work in me. The next part, it says the testimonies are of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. You see, God says that his reading God's word will make you wise. You know, a lot of times we think we're so smart, uh, you know, but here's the thing. We, we have to understand who we're getting our knowledge from. You know, education is fine. But, you know, I went to the beach uh, this uh, Monday and as, as I'm as whenever I go to the beach, I, I look at the ocean, man. It's vast, man. You know, I, I can't measure the waters and the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God is immeasurable. We can't understand it. It's so high. I can't attain it. And my head is just like a little teacup. And, but you see, God in his vast wisdom wants to teach me. But I have to be in his word for him to do it. I have to be a student of the word for him to do a work in me by his word. Because it says the word will make you wise. Verse 8 says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You see, Bible reading uh, or reading God's word will bring you inward joy of the heart and it will lift you up. Do you struggle inwardly, emotionally? Are there things draining you? God here promises that he will bring you joy inward, but it's an inward work. It's an inward work of his spirit as I give my attention to his word. Verse 9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So God's word, uh, reading God's word is a cleaning agent in my life. Spiritually. Jesus said in, in John chapter 17, verse 17, that we're cleansed by the washing of the water of the word of God. God will do a, a, a supernatural work inwardly. You know, we shower every day, you know, but how much more priority do I need to take place in my inner man? Is it being washed? Am I being cleansed by the word? And God's word says, but it, God's word also will keep us on the straight path of righteousness, of doing what's right and keeping right. It will keep us from error. It will keep us from getting off track. Because sin will get the best of us, but God's word won't. If I, if I put my faith and trust and I'm reading God's word, I'm better off. The psalmist said in, in Psalms 119, 133, he says, Direct my, my, my steps by your word and let not sin have dominion over me. So the psalmist puts in great emphasis. God's word puts a great emphasis of daily uh, putting the word of God in my life. So it gives me direction. But here in verse 10, God's word to the believer in verse 10, the scripture says more to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. 
So to the believer inwardly, God is, God's word here is, is saying that it's, it's more beneficial to you inwardly than any accumulation of wealth. God's word in me, God is saying, is more beneficial to me than any accumulation of wealth. Wealth ain't going to cut it. And it ain't going to satisfy you. It, it says it's more satisfying than any, any sweet earthly thing. You know, we have passions for things. But these things ain't going to satisfy us. But there is a thirst inwardly that as I give myself to the Lord, it not only benefits me, but it becomes sweet. There, there's a, it, that's that supernatural work. But here in verse 11, speaking of the word of God, it says, Moreover, by them, speaking of God's word, your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there's great reward. See, God is saying, he's promising you that he will provide you with supernatural hindsight to get you through and to maneuver through uh, difficult and potentially dangerous things that you don't see. You see, God sees. God, God's um, omniscient. He's, om, he's omnipresent. He knows what's going to happen. And He wants to use the Word of God to w- warn you of potential danger. But if I'm not in word, the Word, I'm not in tune with Him, I'm not going to see it coming. But He says His Word will warn you and there's great reward. See, he, God says, I will provide you hindsight to maneuver through difficult and potential dangers. But also God promises if you apply the word of God to your life, there's great reward. You know, I have to ask myself the question, am I, am I, am I greatly rewarded and benefited by the word of God in my life? You know, each of us have to ask that question. You see, Paul, the apostle, says that the word of God will transform your mind. Jesus says it sanctifies and cleanses you internal. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he's speaking in a spiritual sense. I need, I need the word of God. Jesus saying, I need the word of God. There's no transformation in my life. There's no uh, victory in my life. I need it. Maybe I need to be more in the word of God. The psalmist says in Psalms 119, 105, that God will give you direction through his word. It'll be like a lamp unto your feet and a light to your path. In other words, God will guide you and lead you through the Holy Spirit as you're in the word. You see, because all through the scriptures, Jesus warns of religion outwardly without a work inwardly. You know, see, we could go through the the uh, routine of church, but that has no benefit. It might have the appearance of something, but in inwardly, there's nothing there. Jesus warns in Luke chapter 11, verse 39, Uh, He said, cleanse the inside. You cleanse the outside of the cup, but the inside, it's it's rotten. There's a problem inwardly. And I really have to take inventory of my my life and my heart. Am I putting an emphasis on, on inward? A work of God's Spirit inwardly. 
because I could just be religious and, and without that work. Matthew chapter uh, 23, verse 27, Jesus also said, you know, you, we could be hypocritical. We could be like whitewashed tombs, like, you know, these beautiful mausoleums. They're, they're beautiful, but they're full of dead man's bones. Jesus was putting an emphasis of, hey, it's not about the outside. It's about what's taking place in the inside. But we see through God's word that God will do an amazing work as I give myself to the reading the word of God and and God will transform me through his spirit inwardly and do a great work. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8, bodily exercise profits little. But you see God wants to do so much, but it's an internal work and it'll manifest itself outwardly. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse uh, 3 through 4. Again, again, God's desiring to do an amazing inward work. But God stresses the importance of getting ripped off by, a, by just the adorning things or the focus of the priority of our uh, putting a great emphasis on the outward only. I need to put a, a greater emphasis on the inward work in me. And that through the word of the word of God. So that's the first principle. As men and women of God, I just simply, as those 120, I simply need to be obedient. And if I'm obedient, God's going to work in my heart. And, and look at the, the fruit of simple obedience to God's simple word. 3,000 people are getting saved. God's doing an amazing work, a supernatural internal work. And it's manifested outwardly. I want that to take place but it starts with the word of god it starts in the heart the second principle in acts chapter 2 and verse 42 i will jump to prayer when it comes to prayer uh we need to pray uh, we need to read the word of god but i need to pray the word of god i need to pray those things that i see that are that are good and are fruitful and beneficial i need to pray that like all the things that we just read in psalms uh, 19 verses 7 through uh, 12. I want to pray that, Lord, make me wise. Lord, uh, you know, guide my steps. Give me uh, joy. Give, refresh me. Restore me. Uh, let your word be sweet to me. You know, all these things. Let me be warned. I want great reward, Lord. Okay? I want to pray these things. I want to pray to apply these things. But I also have to pray when I'm reading through the word of God to deny some things. You know, it speaks about the flesh and the dangers of the flesh and the corruption and and just the the things that could really damage me personally, temporally, but also for eternity. So I have to pray to apply God's word, but I also have to pray to deny certain things. We, We need to remember when we go to prayer that we're going to one who is omniscient. God knows all things. And we're asking God to get involved in areas where we cannot see. You see, you can't see what's going on in my mind and my heart, but God can see. And I really need God to do a work in the inward me, in the inward me, because the inward me will be manifested outwardly, eventually. The inner inner me is very important. But remember, God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And He's able to do a work. And God wants to really do a work 
in our hearts. You know, I, as I think, I think of so many things that we go through and how many things we leave God out of the equation. You know, I, I just think of my emotions, my feelings, how, you know, I'm angry or I'm sad or I'm, I'm going through uh, worry or so many things that we, we uh, feel emotionally every day, but we don't get God involved. And I really think if we would get God involved, we would see God saying, "Okay, I will help you in that area. We need to get God involved. He's omnipotent. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 says he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Man, I want God to work in me. I want God. I'm going to pander. How many of you guys want God to work in you? You know, I, I'm sure you're going to get everyone to raise your hand. But we have to give ourselves to God. He's able to do. And that he say he promises a power to work in us. So as we approach prayer, you know, prayer is, is you know, can you set aside time? Absolutely. But man, hey, I'm walking, going down the street. I feel a certain way or, or I'm thinking something. I'm praying. It's a continual act of getting God involved, okay? You don't have to just stop, drop, and roll or stop, drop, and pray, you know? Uh, you know, just pray. Pray what you're feeling. Pray what you're going through. Pray your concerns, okay? Get God involved, okay? That's, a, that's part of the relationship. When I, when I spend time with my wife, we talk about things, what we're feeling, our emotions, our dreams, our hopes, our concerns, we talk about these things. Why? We have a relationship. You know, why wouldn't we do that with God, with all the things that we're going through? I'm angry. I'm disappointed. I'm concerned. You know, I want to get God involved. You know, so we have to continually have this attitude of prayer. And, and I want to encourage you. You might not be a morning person, but you get up in the morning. You're, you, Some of us feel, I get up in the morning, oh, my back and... Oh, I'm not feeling good. Oh, and then we're, we're thinking about the day and we leave God out of the equation. He knows already what's going to happen today. And I don't come to him and say, Lord, give me direction. Help me. You know what I'm going to face. You know, the people, the difficulties, the emotions, the experience. I'm going to go. So I want to encourage you pray before you head out. Because God wants to do a work in you before you go out. You know, I, I, I want to encourage you. I, I, I want to encourage you to pray before your feet hit the floor and you head out. Why? Because God knows. You know, he knows what you're going to face. Please turn with me as we're going to look at, at the inner man in prayer. Uh, Psalms chapter 51. Psalms chapter 51 is, is uh, a prayer psalm of, of David. When, you know, David, a, a man after God's own heart, he blew it. He blew it. He gave into his flesh. He, he had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. And God uh, put a check on his heart. But you see, God wants to do a work inwardly. And you see, the problems that we experience or, or the, thing, the sin that we get into, it starts in the heart. See, the adulterer didn't become an adulterer when he took Bathsheba 
He became an adulterer when he thought about it. You see, the thief is already a thief when he's thought about taking. He's already in his mind he's going to take. And so we as believers, we need to pray for what we're thinking and what we're feeling. David here got into big trouble. He sinned with Bathsheba. And, you know, the Spirit of God will deal with you in private. That's God's grace. If you're in sin and God's dealing with you in private, and you're not listening and you're not repenting and getting right of something that you know that is wrong in private, God will expose you in public. You You know, God puts me in check in private, and I have to check my heart in private because if not he's going to expose me in public and i'll be put to shame but here david this is david's prayer he was busted but but it's a beautiful prayer because it focuses on the in the inward man he says have mercy on me O god according to your loving kindness according to the multitude of your tender mercies he he goes to the the attributes of God. But he goes to God to blot out his transgression. And he says to God in verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquities. Do a work in my heart. Do a work, inward work of my heart and cleanse me from my sin, he says. He says, my sin is always before me. You see, sin, when we sin, we have a conscience and the Holy Spirit knocking. Hey, you're wrong. You're wrong. You need to get right. You need to get right. Are we listening? Our sins are always before me. And he said here in verse four, against you, you only have I sinned and done this great evil in your sight. That I may be found that you I'm sorry, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. My mother conceived me. In verse 6, he says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward part. David had it right. His problem wasn't external. It was internal. And so we want to put a great emphasis on praying on the eternal me. I I need to pray for my heart, my life, my emotions, my feelings. Why? Because I could get off track. But he says, God, you desire truth in the inward part and in the hidden part, uh, you will make no, you will make me know to know wisdom again in the heart. And then he says, purge me with hyssop and cleanse me and wash me. Then I shall be whiter than snow. In verse eight, he says, make me to hear joy and gladness again. You know, he's he's asking for an inner work because sin had got the best of him and he felt it in his bones. He says there in verse eight. In verse 10, he says, created me a clean heart. He's asking for God to do a work in his heart. He's asking God to give him a renewed and steadfast spirit within him. And I really... This, this prayer is awesome because he's focusing on the inward. The, the problem wasn't outward. It was an inward problem. But we have to pray that God would do a work inwardly. Verse 12, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. 
you know, there was something lacking in his life. And he called for God to restore the joy of his salvation. And he says, and uphold me with your generous spirit. God is generous. But if we would simply humble ourselves and come to him. Prayer. Verse 17, he says, the sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart. You know, when we come to prayer, we, we come to the Lord in humility and honesty. You know, I, I could come to the Lord and, and tell him how I'm feeling. And praying, pray that God would respond. And he will if we sincerely and humbly come to him and ask him to do an inward work through prayer. So I'm reading the word. I'm praying the word. The focus of God's word is internal, inwardly, for my benefit and for those around me. Look at the manifestations of being obedient to the word. 3,000 people get saved. An internal work of the spirit in my heart. I, I need to pray for that work. But it starts in the heart. You see, as we give ourselves to re, uh, prayer, God will respond with an inner work for your spiritual benefit and for God's glory. You know, I, I want to pray that for, for my heart, that God would be glorified in my life. Lord, you know what I need. He's omniscient. He knows all things. So he knows what I need. So I could come to him in humility and then he will do the work. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In other words, if, if we say, oh, I'm good. I don't need any of that. I don't need any inner work. He's going to say, okay. God resists the proud. But if you honestly take a look and say, hey, I need a work of the spirit in my life. And I know personally, I need an everyday inward work of God in my life. If we honestly approach God, God will do a supernatural work in us. Why? It's for his glory, not for mine, but for my benefit. So the first principle, reading the word of God. The second principle is praying. The third principle is fellowship. Fellowship is very important. Guys, the church together is important. A lot of people nowadays don't believe that uh, a church is necessary. I don't have to, you know, you hear the, the, you know, the cliches. I don't have to go to church to worship. Well, if you're not going to church to worship, you're not being obedient to God's word. Mike, he knows best. He knows what we need. Please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, because God sees that it's, it's necessary and beneficial for us to be a group of believers corporately together. It's important for us, each one of us. In Ephesians chapter 4, if you go down to verse 11, all wise and all knowing God, he uses ordinary people. He says, He himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. See, God is bringing us together, teaching you, equipping you through the word of God, the hearing of the word of God, 
for the work of ministry. You guys are all called to the work of God's ministry. Every one of us. Every believer. It's pretty amazing. A lot of people think, oh, ministry's for them. No, ministry's for every believer. Corporately. You know, a lot of people say, well, I got my ministry out here. I got my ministry out here. No, the text doesn't say that. That's Christian living. I should be benefiting people out in my community. But ministry is, an, is collectively. There's no free agents. We're, 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 we're to be one. Serving together as one. It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Something happens when we work together. When we all work together, something happens. It says we grow. We grow together supernaturally. And it says till we all come to, to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. So we're, we're growing in the grace and the knowledge together. We're being equipped to be used like this 120. I just have to depend on the work of the Spirit. I just have to be obedient to the Word. He says here that of, of the perfect man, speaking of spiritual maturity, as we gather together, we read, we pray, and we fellowship, and we become united, um, we're going to grow spiritually and mature. And we're going to gain wisdom. Verse 14 says that, that we're going to gain biblical knowledge of what is right and what is wrong, what is good teaching and what is bad teaching. Why? Because the Word of God will teach you. And that you won't be deceived by every wind of doctrine, verse 14 says. It also changed the way we speak. Verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love. You know, we should have a supernatural work in us so much that people will know that the message that we give is, is because we love people. We don't want anyone should perish. So it needs to be that work of God's spirit that we would speak the truth in love. That we would all grow up, it says, that we may all grow up in all things to him so that God would be glorified. But verse 16, look at verse 16. It says, from whom the whole body, speaking of the church, individual members of the body are joined and knit together. You see, we're not to be scattered. Isolation is not good. We're to be united. We're to know each other. I should know when you're going through difficulties. Why? So I could pray for you and encourage you. You know, how many of you guys sit in the same seat every week? About half of you. Okay. The other other people who aren't there, you need to pray for them. No, God will put people, familiar people in your circle. But they're your responsibility. Why aren't they here? Are they okay? They should be a concern for you. Um, I'm concerned when I I don't see people come. Uh, You're important. You should know those people's name around you. I I pray that I I, I learn every person that comes in the church's name. Why? Because you're very important to the Lord. And you're an important part of the body of Christ. It says the whole body joined and knit together. Man, I want to be a church that's joined and knit together. Because there's strength in numbers. 120 gathered for prayer. 
If you're going through something, let us pray for you. Let's gather together and pray with you. If there's something heavy on your life, you're facing difficulties, we are to come together to encourage one another. You're feeling down. We're to come together. As it says, every joint knit together. Uh, every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. I got to ask, am I doing my share? Am I doing the share in church? Or do I just come and go, come and go, come and go? You know, um, we let the Lord do a work in you. Read, pray, and let him do a work in you so that you benefit, not only you grow inwardly, but you benefit those around you. God wants to do a supernatural work, and he wants to do it in the church. But it says every part does its share, and I, I need to ask myself, you need to ask yourself, am I doing my share? Am I joined and knit together? Because it says it causes growth of the body. See, God's word says it, if these things are taking place, it will cause growth in the body. And what happened here? The 120 were faithful. They were obedient in simple things. God doing a supernatural work. And what happened? God added to the church daily those who were getting saved. Why? Simple obedience. Each member of the body. And it says for growth of the edifying of itself in love. So that, let that be our motive for service. I, I want to serve the Lord. But let the motive be for love for others and love for God. So number one, continue, continue steadfastly in God's word. Why? Because there's inward benefits. And the word of God will not only benefit me, but those around me. Uh, remember uh, the personal benefits, but the corporate benefits of reading the word of God. Prayer. Remember the 120. They were simply obedient. And they went to prayer and God did a supernatural work. Pray that you're a believer who gives himself to prayer. And number three, fellowship. Uh, there are both personal benefits and corporate benefits of fellowship. Okay, you guys are each important. You know, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. He wants to use you to serve him by serving God's people. And what, what happens? What are the results? He'll build you up. He builds our brothers and sisters up. And basically, we are helping each other to finish this race. That's why we're here. We're helping each other to finish this race. Why? Because God's going to come. The Lord's going to come. Or we're going to die. But we want to encourage each other and help each other until He comes. Why? Because in doing so, as we become a church... As God desires, or we give ourselves continually, the Bible promises that we will grow supernaturally and spiritually. We will grow in grace, we will grow in wisdom, and we will grow in discernment. So God, let God do a, a work of His Spirit in your heart. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for these principles. Father, help us to be steadfastly. Help us to be obedient. Father, I pray, Lord, that we are giving attention to reading the Word of God. Father, that we're reading the Word of God every day. That we're praying. That we're fellowshipping. Father, we pray, Father, that we would 
receive those personal benefits, that we will see those corporate benefits, and that in all things you would be glorified. Father, we thank you for the the gift of salvation. We thank you for the gospel message that that we are sinners and we need a Savior. That if we would simply put our faith and trust in you, repent of our sins, and put our faith and trust in what you did 2,000 years ago, we will be saved. So, Father, we pray if there's a, a work of your Spirit inward in each one of us, whether it be salvation this morning, or whether I'm lacking in an area that was mentioned, if I'm, a, if I'm a believer and I'm lacking in the area of reading the Word of God, my prayer is that, Lord, your Word would be sweeter than honey, that we would have a desire for them than any earthly wealth. Father, that we would be a group of believers who are praying for the inward work of our hearts. Father, that we would put a great emphasis on uh, the inner us. And Father, we pray, Lord, that our, our fellowship would be sweet and edifying one another. And that our our fellowship would be glorifying you. So, Father, our, our greatest need is salvation. So as a worship team leads us in a song of worship. This is a time where you, if you need to get right with God this morning, this is that opportunity for you. Because the Holy Spirit, in John chapter 14, it says He will be with you. The Bible tells us that God loves you and He's not willing that any should perish. So God will do an inward work in you. He will try to get your attention. He, you will feel uncomfortable. But if you recognize your need for a Savior this morning, if you recognize if you were to die today, that you're not sure you would enter into heaven, God is speaking to you. If you're dabbling in something that you shouldn't, God's speaking to you too. And speaking to the Christian. May we be like David and recognize that he had done wrong, but learn from David's prayer. That I could lose so much. Because sin will have dominion over me eventually. So as a worship team plays, let this be a time of self-examination. For a response for the non-believer, but a time of examination for the believer. Because God wants to do a work of your heart, but you just simply need to 
let him and be honest and transparent with him. So as the worship team plays, spend time with the Lord.